Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Hail Yes, the Detroit Free Press podcast about University of Michigan athletics. I'm Tony Garcia, Michigan football and basketball writer for the Free, joined by my colleague, Big Ten insider Reiner Sabin. He covers both Michigan and Michigan State for us. Only this week, he will have uh, his Michigan pen in hand, so to speak. Uh, he's joining me in Happy Valley. Uh, I know we also have one Sean Windsor coming, and believe it or not, I'm told we may have a, a Mitch album sighting as well. So uh, we've got all hands on deck headed into a top 10 matchup uh, against Penn State. Are you ready for it, Ryan? I suppose so. I mean, it's about time that uh, Michigan is playing a, a game of high interest and uh, possibly uh, some level of skepticism or doubt about how the result may play out. So uh, that's always much more intriguing than probably knowing what the outcome is before the game is even played. Yeah, I had to change my uh, like stopwatch from three up to three down for like a month to just five players who were trending up because Michigan was just beating the brakes off everyone so much. There were not three players. So I, I, I do look forward, as you said, uh, to, to dissecting uh, the game, getting into the into the X's and O's. I mean, we met with Jim Harbaugh this week, uh, uh, defensive back coach and co-defensive coordinator Steve Klingscale, running backs coach Mike Hart, and they had a lot to say about a very talented Penn State team. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, we have to keep the main thing the main thing, uh, to borrow a phrase from J.J. McCarthy. And that's the latest in the sign-stealing scandal uh, that also includes a little development about Purdue and Ohio State and Rutgers potentially colluding last year. We'll get into that. But, Reiner, uh, I think we need to start with what seems like the most pressing matter, and that is that the Big Ten notified Michigan on Monday – it could face potential punishment. Now there's a 48 hour window to sort of respond, which is why some are bracing for maybe a potential punishment to come today, Wednesday. We're recording at 1.52 right now on Wednesday. We're going to get this up as soon as we finish because things are moving fast, but we don't know if anything's coming today. Are you hearing anything? No, I mean, again, it's it, things are moving fast. I think part of the reason why, uh, there's so much gray and so much doubt about it is because this is such an unprecedented situation. And so uh, I think there's a lot of uh, variables at play and things that are influencing how it's proceeding, uh, changing by the moment. And as new information gets you know, uh, published or revealed, uh, it, it changes the, the dynamics of the whole situation, very fluid environment. And so I mean, who knows what's what's to come here and what to believe almost because it, it just seems like it it changes by the minute. Right. It's NCAA bylaws. It's Big Ten policies. Right. It's and and as we know, I mean, the NCAA, we've we've said it how many times on this show, yeah. notoriously move, moves very, very slowly. Um, but but the Big Ten is the one who who could be ha- handing down levying. Uh, this this punishment, but um, I found it interesting. Uh, I mean, in recent days, Michigan has also been. I mean, it, it feels like a war analogy, right? Like almost mounting its defense, preparing 
its defense uh, in in one part uh at one hand you have Santa Ono writing the letter to Tony Petiti ahead of his their meeting last week on Friday you have Ward Manuel announcing uh that he was not going to make it to uh his portion of, 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 of voting or his involvement with the college football playoff committee on Tuesday, because he had important matters to attend, attend to, to, to Michigan. I mean, I think everyone can understand that. Uh, and it's just, it's just, it's just on and on. Right. And, and then now you have the latest report about uh, Ruck or about Rutgers and Ohio state sending uh, Purdue uh, different signals uh, of Michigan's ahead of last year's Big Ten championship game. Um, I think Reiner, you were saying you sort of see that as as part of Michigan as posturing. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I think is that they, the wrong word? I mean, no, I think posturing is is right. I mean, I think you know the Michigan's trying to muddy the waters a bit, create a smokescreen. Uh, I think that's part of their defense because uh, I mean. By all indications, I mean, this elaborate plot that Connor Stallions executed appears to have been real. I mean, people have evidence of the tickets being bought. Uh, there's video evidence of, of the actions of uh, the uh, purportedly 65 associates, uh, you know, or some of them, you know, actually taping the signal. So, uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot out there already, and there's not much that's been refuted. Uh, at least publicly, or somebody that has come back and said, no, that hasn't happened as far as the elaborate sign-stealing operation that's alleged again, alleged to have occurred uh, and executed by Connor Stallion. So uh, Michigan seems um, to be try- trying to put forth this idea that, well, there's, you know, this, uh, you know, sharing of signals and, it, you know, you can put forth the idea that there was in-person scouting on the behalf of Ohio State and Rutgers and helping Purdue uh, and that those were the agents that uh, helped Purdue against Michigan. But that stuff happens a lot in coaching circles. I had an assistant coach before this story even came up talk about how information is shared, that they share tells, you know, things that they picked up, things that they've noticed, like how, uh, you know, a nose guard stands and what it indicates. And, uh, you know, where people are positioned and, you know, just things that they've, they've picked up and they share it if they like, you know, the other, the other assistant uh, on the staff or they know somebody on staff that they like. And so this stuff happens all the time. Uh, and so, but that doesn't technically violate uh, an NCA bylaw or, you know, a, a football rule that's been in place like what Michigan is accused of doing. Uh, Michigan's in-person scouting uh, that they used the network to do that, it, it, you know, if, if it is indeed true, would violate uh, a bylaw that's been in place since 1994. So I don't, I don't see the equivalent uh, nature of it. I mean, uh, unless uh, you know, they, they people feel strongly enough, or Tony Petiti feels strongly enough that the two situations. Uh, you know, line up, but I, I don't see how any person with any kind of sense would come to that conclusion. <laughs> right. Well, I, I think while I do understand certainly the, the, the idea of, of, of the, of this false uh, equivalency and, and the layers and levels to each thing um, for the record, uh, it is my understanding that what Purdue and Ohio state and Rutgers is being accused of doing 
uh, is true. Um, I, I, I spoke to a number of people who are intricately, uh, intricately, easy enough for me to say, involved in, I mean, I mean, in, in this story. And the, the reason, I guess, I've, I've gotten enough emails about it just to, to address it with a couple sentences on this podcast. The reason we have not run a story on it, we being the Detroit Free Press, is it has not, the, the, the various sourcing and has not met our journalistic standard of integrity uh, to, to report. Uh, just because other people are reporting it does not mean uh, that we have it buttoned down in all the ways that, that it needs, needs to be. Now, that said, personally, I have spoken to people. Uh, what is being alleged about um, Purdue having uh, being given signs by Ohio State, by Rutgers, um, or in various signals? Uh, I, I've, I've confirmed that with a, for, with a former staffer at another Big Ten school, uh, with a current staffer at Michigan, and uh, and and that this person has was talking to a, a Purdue coach called a Michigan coach last week, uh, a former Purdue or a, for, a former. Let's start that over. A former Big Ten staffer called a Michigan coach last week ahead of the Purdue game to say, just so you remember, Purdue did have more signals from last year's Big Ten championship game. So there is some truth. I mean, there is an equivalent level of truth, to my knowledge, of, of, of this happening. Now, are they equivalent um, transgressions? That I think that's what where the distinction you're making. But um, – this would be a this as as I understand it that Ohio State and Rutgers and Purdue all sharing information would also be a violation of of the Big Ten sportsmanship policy. Now, that does not mean get distracted by the by the bigger thing. But I don't want to brush it. I'm trying to be very fair. I'm not trying to brush it aside as nothing. I think all misdeeds are not good. I silly naive me want an even level playing field. So that's just in general. So I don't, I don't want anything brushed aside. And uh, but I also don't want if Michigan is indeed trying to say, oh, like, see, you see all this going on. It goes everywhere. I think it's no big deal. Let's just move on. I also think that's disingenuous. But Michigan has a, a, a legislative scheme when since 2021, this this supposed uh, thing with Purdue and Ohio State, uh, you know, maybe it was one game. Uh, so. Uh, and the the one that uh, Michigan did potentially violated many teams, you know. Whereas Michigan was the one, you know, quote unquote victim in, in this, you know, situation. And so, uh, I mean, Petiti has to. I don't. I don't envy his situation. I mean, he's he he has to consider Michigan's point. I mean, they're obviously in line for you know to compete for a national championship. It'd be very meaningful for a Big Ten conference that. Uh, would would love nothing more than to have a, you know a national title, especially going into the a year when they are expand expanding and uh, the brand becomes mightier, so to speak. Um, and to have this level of infighting is not good for the conference in general. And but then you you have a you have a very uh, large contingent, it seems, within the Big Ten that wants some kind of action t- taken against Michigan. So it's it's trying to evaluate what the priorities here are, you know, whether, you know, the constituency uh, that he represents, you know, he carries out their interests in some ways too. And so, and and yet levies a a very fair punishment, you know, or a fair ruling, I should say, uh, in this situation. 
he he's stuck between a rock and a hard place, um, right? Because there is nothing that Petiti can do that will appease everyone or not upset everyone, right? Like fifty percent, or like a large portion of people will be bothered by whatever decision he makes. Now that said, I mean the the pressure that is coming his way uh, is mounting, right? It's not just from the, the Big Ten. It's not just from the AD. I mean, it's now somewhat gotten political. I mean, today. Uh, state representative of uh, Phil Skaggs from East Grand Rapids, Graham Filler uh, from DeWitt, and I, I think like nine other members of the Michigan House and Senate. Uh, I sent a letter to to Petiti urging the conference uh, to to make sure Michigan gets a quote fair and unbiased uh, I- investigation, right? And so I'm just I don't think that's going to change anything, but it's just another layer, right, of just the level of involvement that this has gotten to. Well, true. And then you also have the idea that um, the NCAA is possibly involved in the uh, or or has been reported to be involved with the situation at Central Michigan now. Um, and you know, in some ways, you can't lose sight of the big picture here. I mean, so, something fishy went on here, uh, uh, it seems, uh, from, from Michigan's standpoint. And like it and this is this is a integrity of the game issue. And it does have an impact on the results uh, if the uh, as much as you be, I mean, people I've talked to within the in- industry uh, in, in the coaching industry feel very strongly that this has an impact on results. I mean, one person told me it, it could mean the difference between 10 and 14 points. Uh, so there, there's a lot, a lot of play and people, uh, again, I, um, uh, you know, Talked to Todd Berry at the American Football Coaches Association. He's the executive director. You know, he his constituency is coaches, and he uh, uh, was talking about if you know there's been cheating occurred. I mean, it, it does affect you know coaches, uh, players' success, coaches' success. You know, the potentially the families as far as jobs are concerned. I mean, so this is you know this is kind of heavy stuff, and so it, it shouldn't be taken lightly. Uh, as Tony Petiti weighs what's going on here, because it's, uh, I mean, it, it's it, it's something that you know kind of reaches to the basic level of the sport. It does, and you, I mean, you have people on. Uh, I mean, you've seen on the four letter networks now, right? Uh, calling for for Michigan's head, uh, essentially, right? Stephen A. Smith uh, saying that Michigan should not be allowed to compete in the college football playoff. Uh, Paul Feinbaum uh, saying that, uh, I mean any success they had this year would be, I mean, looked at with sort of a, a nose up sort of attitude. It's almost like, well, what, what, what is left to say? What is left to do? Right. Like, I, I mean, I'm sure if, if your personal life is, uh, I mean, not personal, personal life, but like just non-work hours are, are anything like mine. Right. I mean, I've got friend, like friends and even, even family. I have family members who, who do not care. Uh, I, I cannot get them to, to, to even read and w- what I write. Right. But even they are like, what's going on? You know what I mean? And so it has reached a level greater than, uh, obviously, than just the the Michigan football bubble, greater than just sports bubble, almost. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a huge deal. I mean, uh, again, it's, it's one of the most uh, convoluted, strange uh, soap operas that I've ever seen in the college football. And, uh, you know, we'll probably be the source of Betty books and, you know, documentaries and 
Netflix specials and whatever you have you because I mean this is this is uh, ex- extends to the again all areas of the game and uh, the back and forth between you know Michigan the other the other schools the Big Ten all of it is just high level drama here it is and it's it's just each each tentacle you can't see unfold but nothing sort of surprises I guess. I feel that's a good place to sort of put a pin in it because anything could could develop. But that's where we stand now. Uh, I mean, Jim Harbaugh could be facing a, a, another suspension. Um, we don't know if that if that comes, if it won't. Um, but Michigan well, just sort of they're yeah. just plodding ahead. Right. I mean, they called it tunnel vision. Right. They were basically one track mind. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. basically what they kept saying. One track mind, one track mind. The, and so, I mean, that. They really have no choice. I mean, they do have a huge game with Penn State coming up, and uh, you know that's likely going to determine their trajectory this season. And you know, as far as uh, and especially give them a either a ton of momentum, you know, down the stretch, or it could possibly be the the roadblock to their whole entire uh, dreams. I guess as far as. Uh, this how this season is you know uh contextualized for them so it's uh yeah it's uh there's a lot lot going on in their heads but yeah they have to keep focused on the task at hand and we're going to talk about that task at hand uh which is a top 10 matchup at purdue and happy valley uh right after the break don't go anywhere this is hail yes Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Hail Yes, Penn State game. First true test of any sort this year. Top 10 matchup, number two, Michigan, number nine, Penn State. Uh, it's in Happy Valley. It's in University Park. It's in State College. I don't know. It's somewhere in mid-Pennsylvania. It's difficult as all hell to get there. Uh, but we're going to find a way to get there, Reiner. Where do you want to start with this one? I think probably the run game. It's probably a good place to start. Yeah, the run game is definitely a place to start. I mean, uh, it's not been as good this year for Michigan, uh, and they're going up against one of the top defenses uh, in the country, especially a a very talented front seven, uh, a a team that likes to, uh, I guess, pressure all, all, you know, from all aspects, including pass, run, whatever. So uh, you're going to see a lot of... uh, uh, at the line of scrimmage uh, fights, I guess, in this game. So I, I would, I would expect uh, the run game to be an essential component for, for Michigan and whether, and a key factor in determining whether they're going to be successful in this game or not. Yeah. And I think Penn state's going to want to have something to say about what happened in the run game last year. Uh, yes. Michigan just ran, uh, was 400 some yards. I mean, I think a video game numbers, uh, and uh, I probably should have had it specifically in front of me, 
but I've been so busy looking at this year's numbers because last year's don't technically matter anymore. Um, and, and this year in the run game, it is certainly advantage Penn State. Uh, number one in the nation, giving up fewer than 60 yards per game on the ground. Number one in the nation in yards per attempt as well. Less than two yards per rush they're allowing, 1.9. And uh, and you mentioned it, Michigan is struggling on the ground. And frankly, it's because they're running back. They're just not getting to that second level. Uh, Mike Hart talked about it today. Uh, he didn't directly blame the offensive line. But Reiner, if you're not getting to the uh, to the second level, uh, I guess really all that can be said for that is the blocking is not there to to get there. Now, um, I mean, we've said it all year that the, the frankly, both Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards have not looked like they did uh, a year ago. And I've done a little more deep dive into the numbers and I just I want to see what, how, how how you what you think of them because they're they're pretty alarming to me. So last year uh, on 247 rushes, Blake Corum forced 73 missed tackles. Now I guess technically he could force two in one run, right? But let's say it was just you. He only forced a missed tackle per run. That was 29.6 percent of his carries. This year he has 14 missed tackles. That's 11 percent of his carries. So essentially. 33% of the time, or one out of three times as many times as last year, he is breaking a tackle. And that's why he hasn't had a 20-yard rush in a month. Yeah, I mean, and again, they're not getting as many efficient runs as they did last year, as many explosive runs. Uh, it's not the same running attack. I mean, they're ranked 51st in the country in rushing yards. I mean, this is not uh, the Michigan football of 2022 or 2021. They also have a much better passing game with J.J. McCarthy, and they're leaning towards that. I mean, you got to recognize your strengths and play to them. That's usually what the good teams do. And right now, the run game isn't as good as the pass game, uh, and it's not it's not necessarily the uh, the driving force of this offense anymore. Uh, and so, J.J. McCarthy's arm is, and uh, uh, I don't know if that's going to change necessarily against Penn State. I mean. But it probably needs to in some ways because they, they need to get in some more favorable down and distance situations come third down. Uh, running the ball on the early downs is going to be probably critical as or getting yards on those early downs to be able to set themselves up for uh, favorable third down situations. Yeah, and I want to talk about that third down importance shortly. Um, but just before we do, I mean, it's that I, I want to – the, in the running game, it's it's not just Blake, right? It's it's Donovan as well, and it's how everything is not wor- working together, right? And it's certainly sure the pass game is much better this year, right? But last year when the run game was better, it was like there's going to be a day where they can't run it, right? Can they pass it? Well, I think the inverse of that might be true. There's going to be a day with bad conditions. It's going to be wet. It's going to be rainy. I mean, uh, it's it's going to be cold. Uh, maybe a wide receiver gets banged up. Maybe I mean, maybe JJ's just off, right? Like where you are not passing at full efficiency, you have to be able to run the ball in, uh, and better than Michigan has. Uh, frankly, I mean, Donovan Edwards has four rushes that have gone for more than ten yards this year. That's five point four of his attempts. Uh, I mean, last year it was almost fourteen percent of his attempts were going for a first down, uh, or, or we're, we're going for ten for ten yards or more. Uh, there are eight different rushing lanes to to pick through, like left end. Like, I'm, yeah. We don't need to number them off, right? Donovan Edwards is not averaging more than four point one yards per carry in any lane, right? So this is not like they cannot run inside; they cannot run outside. Last week, if you take out those two end arounds to, to Samaj Morgan for 44 yards and to 
Uh, Cornelius Johnson for 14 yards. The running backs had like 28 carries for 87 yards. Yes, they had four touchdowns, but that's and that was not against Penn State, right? Penn State forces a lot of tackles for loss. You cannot continue to win if you are always in third and 10, just not long term, not against elite teams. Yeah, I mean, but they're again, they're not as strong maybe in the in the middle as they were last year. I mean, they lost, you know, the Remington Award winner at the Olu uh, Oluatimi, and then you know you've got um, you know the fact that Edwards and Corum were coming off injuries this year. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't know if they they're necessarily at the condition or you know at least up until this point were at the condition that they were last year, and so. Even if they played fewer snaps, you know, obviously they haven't been really uh, had to play at all into the fourth quarter at all this year, except for, you know, pretty much last week. And I think that was primarily because they hadn't played into the fourth quarter, um, you know. And so it's like it's very uh, there's there's a number of factors that possibly are contributing to this. But at at some point, you have to kind of accept the fact that this running game is probably not going to come alive at, uh, or is not going to be dependent upon uh, to be the the driving force of the offense. I mean, I think Michigan has established its identity right now, and it's it's leaning towards the pass and, and leaning towards J.J. McCarthy to get them out of bad situations necessarily that the running game has, uh, has put them in. Right. And, and it's working quite well, we should add. Right. It's, right. just, it's just that when you go into a game against the number one rushing defense in the, in the country and you're not running the ball well and you're Michigan and that's what you've been known for and you return a unanimous All-American running back, you return a running back who was comparing himself to Barry Sanders' Walter Payton, you return uh, the majority of an offensive line that was named the best in the nation uh, each of the past two years, right? You add three Power five transfers, two of whom were starter on the line, who were starters at the power five level before, right? I mean, there was everything for this. There, this is a surprise. The fact that Michigan's run game looks like this is a surprise. There's no other way around it. Uh, yes, there are. Uh, I mean, like the, the numbers accumulatively won't be the same because of the, the way the clock has has gone this year, right? The new clock rules and just fewer plays. But uh, instead of running for five, I mean, Blake Horn was running for 5.9 yards per carry last year. It's 5.2. Donovan Edwards was 7.1. Now it's 3.1. I mean, and the yards before contact, like Blake Horn is getting hit sooner. And so it's just, uh, I mean, it's on the line. It's on, it's on the, it's on the running backs. uh, It's on everyone. Um, But how about we look briefly also Reiner at, uh, I mean, we, (laughs) <laughs> those of us who are talking on this podcast or listening to it are pretty familiar with Michigan by now, right? Like this is not maybe some of the level of this, I hope is new news and hopefully we are bringing insight, but Michigan leaning more towards the past and less towards the run this year. We have all seen that. Um, not everybody might be as privy uh, with Penn state. Uh, so I just want to, us to to pick out three, uh, three names to know that, that we went through together, but before the game and the first uh, is Drew Aller who has the Penn State's quarterback equivalent numbers in some ways to JJ McCarthy, Reiner, right? But uh, but this is not an equivalent quarterback, we think. Not- no, no, no. I mean, he hasn't shown that to be. I mean, again, his yards per attempt, he's averaging four fewer than McCarthy. He's got 6.6 yards per attempt versus uh, McCarthy's 10.4. 
that's as big of an indicator as anything. Uh, I mean, that's a huge difference. And 10.4 is really, really, really good. It's, it's a massive difference. It's yeah. so much bigger than four yeah. yard sounds. Yeah. Yeah. And 6.6 is pretty mediocre. Uh, usually you want to be in that eight, eight range to be considered good. And so, uh, so ours below, you know, two yards below that and McCarthy's two yards above that. So that is a, that's a huge difference. And, you know, Drew Auer, I mean, again, they've, they've done stuff with slants. It seems like he likes to throw a lot of slants and, and such like, I, I, and, you know, hasn't really, uh, thrown deep as much, although it looked like they were a little bit better against Maryland, uh, actually far better. And it seemed like they were starting to get some things going there. So maybe, maybe they will be able to stretch Michigan's defense a little bit. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see what, what Michigan does, if they're going to play a little bit more, you know, man or, or zone, they've typically leaned towards zone, uh, this year, but, uh, I could see in certain situations where they'd, they'd like to play man, um, especially, you know, to disrupt some of those slant routes. Yeah. I, I, I like, I like the, the, the thought process there and it's, I, I do I do think it's worth mentioning. It's not that Drew Adler is incapable, I don't think, of throwing downfield. Uh, it's part – I mean, Penn State, it, it, they're not that different from Michigan, right, in the complementary football, leaning on the defense, right? I mean, Penn State does not want to turn it over. Hat tip to Andrew Burkle, who, who, will, who will bring in, uh, in in segment three for the picks. He was making sure that we, that we uh, discussed this point, and he, we can bring him on uh, to, to do the same as well uh, when, we, when we get to the picks. But – uh, I mean, I mean, Drew Aller takes care of the ball very well. 20 touchdowns, one interception, right? So it is like short, conservative passes, run the ball with Katron Allen, run the ball uh, with uh, Nick Singleton, and, uh, and, and and just don't make the big mistake, right? You can play field position. You can let your defense uh, do what it needs to do. And, uh, and both of our other two players to watch are on the defense, one of whom uh, is, a, is a familiar name around these parts, right, Reiner? Kalen King. Yeah, King King is uh, one of the top defensive backs in the country, uh, surefire NFL draft prospect, and also, uh, you know, is uh, a person that typically matches up with obviously the top receiver on the uh, on the other side. So um, it'll be interesting to see actually who he matches up with, depending on body type too. So um, you know, he went against Marvin Harrison against in Ohio State, and Marvin Harrison, you know did well against them, but he, it's Marvin Harrison. I mean, what do you expect? I mean, again, what, 162 yards in a TD. And so it's like, um, that's no, no, no shame to, to get, you know, to, to lose to him. Uh, especially I don't know, that's a little bit of shame. That's a little yeah. bit of shame. Kalen King is supposed to be a first round uh, like a uh, day one pick, right? I mean, day one, day two. Uh, I mean, yes, Marvin Harrison jr. Might be, it is the best wide receiver in college football hands down, yeah. but yeah. 11 for 162 is cooked. He he got cooked. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But I mean, again, does does Michigan have a receiver of that type to go no. against? I mean, no I mean, one again, does. No one yeah, does. and so and so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how he performs in this game. So I mean, he, he it's certainly somebody that he, he's going to dictate a lot of things that JJ McCarthy does. I mean, whether he wants to throw at them or not. Uh, I mean, you could also see because of that, you know, maybe the tight ends are going to get more involved. With uh, with the game kind of a la what, uh, you know, Michigan did against Michigan State, uh, you, you can see this being a Colston Lublin game, possibly. 
fortunately for Michigan, plenty of options, right? Uh, right? You don't have to just try to force the ball to one person. And that wasn't a slight at Roman Wilson. He's just not right. the same receiver as Marvin Harrison Jr. He's just not. Um, and also, uh, I don't know if we made the, the point. I think many people would be familiar. Kalen King uh, is a Cast Tech graduate. That's what yeah. we said, of a, a familiar yeah. name to many. Um, mm-hmm. And then lastly uh, is uh, – Probably before the season, I mean, he, he's a very. This is a very good defensive end as well. But I would have put him as the the number two defensive end on Penn State before this season. Chop Robinson is the name many know. Uh, he was on my preseason All American team. However, Adisa Isaac might be on the, my All American team that actually matters. Um, the defensive end, eighteen tackles, nine and a half for loss, five and a half sacks. Reiner, he is a problem. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's, he's kind of a linchpin in that defense, uh, that front seven that's so powerful uh, for Manny Diaz. Uh, you know, as far as uh, what Penn State's able to do, I mean, from a pass rush standpoint, I mean, they, they're arguably the best in the country at it. I mean, they're uh, ranked second in the country with 38 sacks. And, you know, Michigan's had some pass protection issues that pop up at times during this year. They gave up three sacks in the first quarter against Indiana. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how much the read option comes into play for JJ McCarthy, uh, especially in holding those defensive ends and maybe paralyzing them a bit in the passing game. So I wonder how much RPO stuff maybe Michigan kind of tries to use to kind of blunt the uh, blunt the pass rush there and open and open up the run game, right? Yeah, uh, right. I, I think I think <laughs> we're we're about to get into our. Now is when, Reiner, I ask you uh, very quickly before we get to break, our keys to the game. That J.J. running uh, could have been it. Give yours, I'll give mine, and then uh, then we'll get to the picks. Yeah, as far as I think, again, it comes down to pass protection. I mean, Manny Diaz loves to dial up a ton of different exotic pressures and blitzes and such. And again, M- Michigan has shown it's at times some, some troubles there. Also, I think the running backs are going to be incredibly important in – both pass protection and also the screen game. Mike Hart kind of joking referred to when I asked about the screen game earlier today, uh, just the idea that like, we're not getting into that or I'm not giving you any secrets about what we're doing in the screen game, but that's where Donovan Edwards could be pretty impactful on the field potentially. Uh, But the question is, can he also handle the pass protection? Because at times he's, he, he has messed up those assignments before and had free runners come at JJ McCarthy. So yeah, I think it's going to be uh, coming down to pass protection in this game because, again, Michigan has shown that it's more of a passing threat probably now than a running threat. All right. No, it's a good pick. Uh, for me, it's, thir- it's third downs. Uh, mm-hmm. Michigan Michigan number two in the nation uh, converting third downs 55.6% of the time. Uh, and J.J. McCarthy, uh, I mean, he has been money in particular. He's uh, 75% passing on third downs, 33 of 44, 545 yards. Uh, 30 of those 33 passes have gone for first downs, four have gone for a touchdown. And on third and long, uh, he's been even better. 22 of 29, uh, that's 75.9% passing. 21 first downs and four, all four of the touchdowns came on third down. So couldn't be better, right? I mean, I mean, those are the money downs. It's what Jim calls it. Uh, and, but he has not faced a Penn State defense on third and seven, on third and eight. Uh, he, he's faced Michigan State and Rutgers and Nebraska and Minnesota. Um, so just like we keep saying about everything, this, it's a different level. Third, not all third and eights are created equal. Not, not every <laughs> Happy Valley 
in the third quarter, I mean, Penn State also hasn't given up a third quarter point, right? When it's third and eight and you're on your own 10 at Happy Valley and that place is going nuts, it's a little different than third and seven when you're up by 31 points in four down territory on on Bowling Green side of the field, right? So uh, those those big those big time plays. I think if you look at just the third down line at Michigan's line and Penn State's line, whoever wins that not that battle, I bet wins this game. I think I think it's a, a great point, and uh, again, it's also going to come down to whether you know, again, as I alluded to before, whether Michigan can get some uh, stay ahead of the change on. Uh, first and second down and whether the running game can get going. Cause you know, if, if they do get in the third and long situations, they could be confident in JJ McCarthy. But again, as you referenced, this is a totally different animal that they're basically facing with uh, Penn state versus, uh, versus the previous defenses that they faced with, uh, uh, so far this season. All right, Reiner, one more bill to pay, and then we will give the people what they want and see, uh, if we pick Michigan to go to 10 and O or, uh, and, and, and a lot of winning streaks. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Uh, we'll be right back. This is Hail Yes. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. As promised, that didn't take too long. We are back, and we're back and better than we were before, because we have Andrew Burkle uh, with us, too, our sports editor and producer of the show. What's up, Andrew? What's up, fellas? How's it going? Great. You've been helping steer this ship uh, all the way. How do you think we're doing? We're good so far? <laughs> I guess the question <laughs> does come back to me. Yeah, I, so far, so good. I mean, lots to talk about this week. Oh, my gosh. Like, we didn't even, we didn't even talk about basketball yet. Michigan looked pretty impressive over right. was it UNC Asheville yesterday, right? So uh, that, that's a, certainly a positive for the Wolverines basketball fans. But plenty of time to talk about basketball. But this is what we've been waiting for for so long, uh, a competitive it, Michigan football contest here. Yeah. And the line is five. Is that where we start? Yeah. Let's get right into it. Michigan five point favorites on the road at Penn state. So, uh, Ryder, who have you got in this one? I'm going to go with Michigan here. I just, you know, think that their offense is overall too strong and I think they're more of a complete team. Uh, and they have certainly have the edge at the most important position on the field, which is quarterback with J.J. McCarthy. So uh, I'm picking Michigan uh, to go on the road and and uh, and cover. All right, fair enough. Um, I, too, will do that. I think I'm just because, I mean, all I care about is our own individual competition. Uh, I'm 17, 14, and 4. You guys both 16, 15, and 4. Since I have a one-game lead, I'm just going to have you guys put your picks in first, and then I'm just going to try to pick the same thing so I can maintain my lead. So uh, Michigan will cover because Reiner says so. No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, but but I do but I do have Michigan. Um, I think it's just five is kind of a weird number. I hate that number five. Uh, that really uh, trips me up. But they're they're just more proven. I mean, they have a better quarterback. Both have awesome defenses. Who's got a better quarterback? Go with Michigan. 
that five number is weird, Tony, but it almost it almost feels a little inconsequential to me because I feel like Michigan will either handle them and win by a touchdown or 10 points or or maybe even two touchdowns or Penn State could win straight up. Like, I, 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 mean, I don't know. I feel like I, my gut feeling is that it won't be like a three-point uh, win at the last second type game. Um, and like you guys said, how can you not trust J.J. Mc, uh, McCarthy over what we've seen from from Drew Aller. I mean, that Drew Aller game against Penn State, against Ohio State when it really mattered. I mean, Penn State's schedule has been a little similar to Michigan's where it's like they haven't been tested all that much. The one game he was tested against that just stout Ohio State defense, he he just was checked down Charlie, 18 for 42 for 191 yards, and they really they really couldn't move the ball. So uh, that Michigan defense, I don't think it's going to be that much different. So I'm going with the Wolverines as well here. No, I would just and arguably Michigan's played its – has performed the best when it's been on the road. Uh, you know, what, what they did against Nebraska, Minnesota, uh, Michigan State. Uh, I mean, it's uh, they've, they've played the, their most complete games on the road. And this is not some new phenomenon. They've been a very good road team going back to 2021. And uh, so I, I, would, I would argue that, you know, they're in – more a comfortable environment in a place like Happy Valley sometimes than even even the big house. Yeah. And as we keep making the point that Michigan's yet to play someone like Penn State, right? I mean, Drew Aller hasn't, even though Ohio State's a very good defense, nobody's gone against this Michigan defense, right? So it it, it a cuts both ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we don't really know how 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 good this Michigan defense is. I mean, we think it's pretty darn good based on all the stats, but we'll, I'm pretty convinced we'll it's pretty good. We're pretty sure I, it's pretty I like good. their chances. We'll I like their chances. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, okay. Reiner briefly mentioned uh, Michigan State here at Ohio State. Tough spot for the Spartans after their first win of the Harlan Barnett era. Uh, Tony, who you got in this one? Who did? I was waffling on this one as well. Uh, I think I went with Michigan State just because that's a lot of points. Um, I mean, Ohio State, Ohio State, under the Mar- under Mark D'Antonio for a while, Michigan State played Ohio State extremely tight, uh, pretty much always. Uh, I think it was even in 2016, if I if I'm not wrong, when they lost all those games in a row, like nine in a row. I think that they were in like a like it was like an Ohio- like a, they went for a two point conversion or, or something or other uh, to to try to win it. So there was a time where Michigan State always hung with Ohio State. In recent years, it's just been a dump trucking, right? Like 50 to six or just I mean. But down by 35 at the half, I think, a couple of years in a row. Um, however, this this year, Ohio State, their offense is just not – it's not C.J. Stroud. It's not – or uh, Justin Fields or, or whatever. Like, it's a good offense, but it's just not boom, 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 boom. And uh, I, I think 31 and a half, I think that hook – I love the hook. It might be just enough 38-7 and cover by, like, the skin of their teeth. That's I no I my my thinking in this game is that it's not about Ohio State's offense it's about their defense. I mean, can Michigan State actually score on Ohio State? And I'm not totally convinced that they can score uh you know much more than a touchdown and a field goal if that and the question is, you know, can Ohio State uh score enough to to cover and I think they can um uh, even if but I I'm I'm thinking it's more of a game like you know, 34 to three or, you know, uh, I you like know, that too. I'll 30, take that too. Yeah. 35. To, yeah. Or, you know, that would actually not come <laughs> that'd be a win. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like a, it'd be like a 35, three game or I something like that. Yeah. And so I, I, uh, yeah, that's, that's why, I mean, Ohio state has the number two ranked defense in the country right now. 
Jim Knowles has his guys uh, doing some really good things. And Michigan State has improved the ball, proven that they can consistently move the ball. Now, if they use Sam Levitt a little bit more than they have, uh, and that's a question, I don't know how much they want to use him, uh, then I, I don't have much confidence that Michigan State can move the ball if they have to rely solely on Caden Hauser to be the guy uh, in this game. So, uh, yeah, that's why I'm picking Ohio State to cover, though. Reiner's uh, Freudian slip there, the 34 to 3. Yeah. is exactly why I'm picking Michigan State. That's a lot of points. <laughs> and Ohio yeah. State is only beaten teams by uh, yeah. more than 32 and a half twice this year, Western Kentucky and Purdue. So uh, I, I, they're just not a team who's been blowing teams out this year, even early on, you know, some of the games this year, like Indiana got off to a little bit of a, a, a better start against Ohio State, kept it close. Um, obviously, uh, the Maryland game was only 20 points. I think that ended up being a cover. Um, but that was, you know, they kind of like hung around there. Um, Wisconsin, 24 to 10, even uh, Penn State, 20 to 12. You know, these games are just not total, total, total annihilations like Ohio State has done to Michigan State in recent years. So I'm just going to take the points. Uh, it's just quite a few points and uh, I'm going to roll with Michigan State in this one. Let's take a look down in the SEC. Georgia starting to look really dominant over the last few weeks here. Uh, Reiner, SEC is your specialty, so we'll start with you on this one. Uh, ten and a half point favorites over Ole Miss. Yeah, I think Georgia's hitting its stride, and uh, you know the fact that Carson back in that offense seems to be coming along nicely at this point. And then you add in the fact that it just seems like Lane Kiffin in these games it, it doesn't ever seem to uh, come up with the uh, the result that you'd expect him to do. A lot of people think he's a person who can take down these types of teams, but it just doesn't seem that way. Um, I mean, he's had his shots at Alabama, even when Ole Miss was pretty comparable to them and, you know, doesn't, doesn't do that. And I just feel like on the road at Georgia, I I just give Kirby smart, uh, you know, the advantage there. I think he can come up with something to, to stop Ole Miss's offense. And, and I, I don't think, uh, Ole Miss can necessarily stop George's offense. Yeah, the next time Lane Kiffin wins a big game, like on the road, will be like the first time. I mean, I just, I, th- I think I took uh, Ole Miss uh, and uh, Krishan Judkins and Jackson Dart, and like their their offense is it's really sexy to to, to cover against Alabama. Uh, and that was when Bama was struggling earlier this year. Yeah, and Bama won like twenty four to ten. Right? Yeah. I'm just, I'm not. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I will not be wrong betting on Ole Miss again. Georgia. Yeah, I mean, to be fair to Ole Miss, they've had some kind of gutsy wins here. I mean, they lost that game against Alabama, but then they edged out LSU, who went went toe-to-toe with Bama there for a little while before Daniels exited and things kind of fell apart for them, Uh, including last week against a pretty talented Texas A&M team, edged them out 38-35. Still, I, I, I just really like what I've seen from Georgia the last few weeks. Missouri was Missouri was tough. I mean, that is a team who I feel like Missouri, whoever they match up with in their bowl game, uh, you, you might you know that's one you store away for future betting purposes. Is maybe hey, watch out whoever Mizzou plays in in the non SEC uh, crossover there where they're playing other teams from different conferences because they're tough. Um, but Georgia just kind of s- squeezed the life out of them uh, throughout that game. And and you, have you guys looked at Georgia's offensive stats? I mean, this is the Bulldogs of not the Bulldogs of old. I mean, they're sixth in passing. 325 yards a game, sixth in total offense, tenth in scoring. Like and this Brock is not Bowers your, has been on like two months. I know, and th- and they're still doing this. So 
I mean, this this is just. It, I think this Georgia team is really turning a, turning a corner. They're only like two and six against the spread this season, and so I think they're due for some of these late covers here late in the year. Don't overlook. Right, you're shaking your head. Don't overlook Lad McConkey. Lad McConkey all the way. <laughs> <laughs> I like the guy's name. And it's, I was uh, gonna say that's gotta be the only yeah. reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a, a guy out of like uh, you know one of those old like childhood football books like you know, yeah the, 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 like it's like the, a newt rock player yeah Lad McConkey. yeah <laughs> <laughs> all uh, right speaking of old school let's finish off with utah one of the old school football teams uh that we watch every saturday at washington who had a, a game for the ages against usc that was i mean when those two games the usc washington and lsu alabama games are both going on you guys were at the michigan game i had all three games lined up and i was just like all right this is why being an editor and not going to the games, like this is the day where it pays off because that was <laughs> like football heaven, dude. T- touchdowns like every two seconds, NFL guys all over the place, Caleb Williams making crazy plays, Penix making like an Aaron Rodgers-esque throw. You keep rubbing uh, it in, thanks. But <laughs> Well, listen, <laughs> if you go to the college football playoff and the Lions make a Super Bowl and you're traveling out there, listen, that, you can rub it in my face. So anyways, that's a long way of saying Washington is a nine and a half point favorite over Utah. Uh, Tony, who you got in this one? Uh, yeah, no. Um, uh, I mean, wa- can we just have a moment for Washington against USC? Just the freest money last week of all time. I hope everybody jumped on. You uh, just keep fading USC um, and, and and keep making your money. I know they're not involved in this game. Uh, Washington. <laughs> I say this after they just put up fifty-two, but Washington's offense in late October kind of hit a little bit of a wall, right? Like they're putting up 30, 28. They didn't look great. I think, yeah, maybe they, they might be hitting that stride again. But Utah's defense travels. Uh, they've been playing without Cam Rising all year, so they know how to – I mean, there's it's no longer uh, – it's, it's no longer backup quarterback situation. This is just your guy and who you roll with and Johnson. And, um, and I just – they have a great defense. 10 is a lot of points. Uh, and so it's sort of a similar – philosophy uh with michigan state and ohio state i'm just kind of i don't i don't really think utah has a chance to win this game uh but i will just sort of plug my nose and hold my breath and take the points i uh i don't want to use the transitive property here but i'm gonna go ahead and do it because (laughs) oregon oregon beat utah 35 to 6 and washington beat utah at washington this game's being played at washington it's a tough place to play and I just think, you know, again, Washington has too much firepower and a, and a good enough defense to, to keep Utah down. So I think that's what creates the margin. So I have Washington covering. It, this is a tough one, I think, honestly, because Pac-12, I've been ba- banging the drum all year. Like they kind of beat up on each other, you know, but a little bit less in the last few weeks. But first of all, that was a really big game last week for Washington. I mean, that they, they got up for that game. It was on the road at the Coliseum. All the slabs are out. Like it just had that big game feel. Um, so it's going to be tough for them to get up two weeks in a row here. Uh, Utah coming into town. You know, I think that Utah could kind of maybe jump off to that early. Like, oh, my God, they're up 7-0. Oh, they're up 10-0. Next thing you know, Washington's playing from behind a little bit. And uh, like Tony said, you just take the nine and a half points and, and, and hold on for dear life there. Uh, they haven't exactly been blowing people out either. Um, they won by seven over Arizona, nine over Stanford, eight over Arizona State, ten over USC, uh, which ended up covering pretty easily, as as Tony mentioned earlier. But I, I just don't. I don't think that the nine and a half is 
The nine and a half would scare me on the Washington side. Let's just say that. So I'm, I'm going to roll with, with Utah on this one. All right. Well, there you have I don't know. There's been no one really to tail and no one to fade because we're all just slightly above 500, which I think is, is good for us. Uh, so I don't know who to tell people uh, who, who to follow, but hopefully they've uh, they've been do, doing well, well as they as they bet along with us. What's that? Well, if, if, if it is like a true re- regress to the mean situation, you should bet you should follow me this week, which is also Tony because he copied me on every single pick. But Tony was three and one last week. And now pick me, picked all the same games as me. I was one and three last week and picked all the same games. So I guess we'll, we'll find out who, who really is going to return to the mean here. Right. Well, here you go. Reiner and you had the same, I mean, Reiner had different picks and you and him have the same record, right? So had I picked what he picked, then you'd be saying, so, I mean, there's nothing, there's when you're at the top, everyone's coming for you. I guess this is what Michigan keeps saying, right? I mean, what, I mean, what are you going to do? But um, you're good in everybody's best game. Yep, yep, that's that's what happens. But uh, but no, seriously, thanks, uh, thanks to both of you, and uh, and and before I give our our normal thank yous, I want to give a, a particular shout out um, to Barry Ostro, uh, who who sent me a very nice email. Part of which I will share, uh, as we always ask people to um, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Um, I'm not sure if Barry has done those things. I would lo- and but but he did send a very nice message that we'll share. Uh, so. Grew up in Detroit. Uh, he actually delivered the Detroit News when he was a teen. We won't hold that against him. Uh, and moved to North Carolina in uh, uh, in in the late six or it, at, after he went to Michigan in '66 and '73. And he said uh, he's listened to Hail Yes. Appreciate your thorough and in depth discussion and what's going well and what's not going well with the team. Team, you and Reiner are easy and fun to listen to as you look at the college sports at U of M and MSU. Thank you for what you're doing and contributing in a positive and honest way in describing and evaluating sports as it should be. Um, I'm sure he throws Andrew in there as well um, because he's very much a part of the team as well. And so I just wanted to end on, on, on that note. So um, so pe- people are enjoying this. That is very good. Uh, and if you do as well, uh, have any share any of the same sentiments as Barry, please rate, review, and subscribe. Not only does it help us, it makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. So that's great too. Um, so, uh, so thanks to Barry. Uh, thanks to our editor in chief, Nicole Avery Nichols, our executive editor, Anjanette Delgado, our sports editor, Kirkland Crawford, our audio engineer, Robin Chan, uh, and Andrew and Reiner again as well. For them, I'm Tony. The next time you hear from us, uh, we will have been in Happy Valley and uh, there will be a very important football game to discuss. So we look forward to it. Till then, be safe. This is Hail Yes. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.